welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. My name is Micah. I am the lead pastor of Awaken. Glad you're here. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've been here. I, I was telling somebody this week I forgot how to write a sermon. So I had to tr- practice again. Um, welcome to you. If you're new, so glad you're here. Uh, boy, what, what a weekend, eh? Lots happened. Somebody texted me and they said, Micah, I'm looking forward to your political sermon on Sunday. To which I responded, like, what in the last six years would lead you to believe that I'm going to preach a sermon about the events of this last week? So if you came, list, if you came looking forward to that, you're going to have to find another church because we're starting a new series on Joseph today, which is, I don't know, maybe related, maybe not. But a um, couple things before we do that. We just got back from the Dominican Republic, a few of us, eight of us went down there. And this was sort of a fact-finding trip in some ways to kind of discern and learn about this church uh, that we were partnering with in Mocha, Dominican Republic. Um, I've got a couple of pictures I'll show you just so you, you might hear these names um, later on. This is Pastor Julio on the left. We're down by the schoolyard. Oh! <laughs> I've been waiting for that all week. Uh, the next picture is uh, Julio. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Julio and our translators, Manuel and Francisco, also known as Francois. Um, So these are some of the folks that we hung out with down there. Just great people. I'll just share two quick stories to sort of highlight some of our experience there. Uh, Some of you know Elaine. Elaine was one of our team members, and she's been a part of Awaken for a while. She started a nonprofit called Cultivate, and she works with basically indigenous folks in other parts of the world to uh, start businesses and to... uh, train leaders and work on websites and accounting and all the things that folks maybe um, uh, would need help with in starting something. And so this is the work that she does. And so Elaine sat down with Pastor Julio for uh, a while, and they had a great conversation about some things that they're dreaming about in Mocha at the church. And uh, Elaine had the opportunity to share about cultivating what she does. And Julio said, and I quote, I've been praying for eight years that someone like you would find me. Yeah, that's worth clapping for. So cool, so cool. And um, one of my other favorite stories was the first day we got there, uh, full day. It was raining, and so uh, we just had an opportunity to sit down with Julio and hear a little bit about his story and his journey of coming to know the Lord and being called to be a pastor and some of the things that he's working on. And so he starts telling us about his life, and he said, you know, my wife and I have been married 17 years. Laura and I have been married 17 years. Um, We have three daughters. Laura and Micah have three daughters. Uh, The church that I'm the pastor of here in Mocha is about seven years old. Awaken will turn seven this summer. Um, And, uh, oh, what was the other one? Um, Oh, yeah, so he's talking about the vision of the church. He says, you know, we want to train up leaders, and we want to plant new churches, and we want to send them out and have an impact on our city. And And our team was just kind of looking around going, is this... Is this, is this actually happening? Like, is this guy reading our mail? Um, so cool. Uh, like, Julio's my doppelganger, I guess. Um, but a lot of things we felt like the Lord had led us to up to that process. And so this trip was just a confirmation of a lot of those things. Very, very sweet. So you'll be hearing more about next steps as we uh, kind of get ourselves back here and uh, 
figure out what, what the next uh, best course of action will be in the DR. So be praying about that, if you would. Um, so today we begin a new series on the person of Joseph. I want to invite you to uh, stand, if you can, and we'll begin reading in chapter 37, starting in verse 1. It says this, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks of, with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, the father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an, orna an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. <laughs> his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more. No wonder, because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Pray with me. God, this morning we gather as your church one small little representation of it uh, on this planet. And we recognize that we are a part of a bigger story, one that you are writing and you are uh, moving and in charge of in the world. And so, um, God, we want to be found faithful doing our part. Uh, faithful uh, representing and learning uh, what it means to follow this Jesus. And so, God, bind us together this morning. Bind our hearts together. Uh, may this word written so long ago become a fresh, new revelation uh, and word of God for us, your church, this morning, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> oh, Joseph. So um, we're going to be walking through six weeks in the life of Joseph. And so to begin, I want to just give you just a, some facts and some background about this fella as we jump in. Uh, Joseph, the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis is the largest single narrative in the entire scriptures with one person as its subject. It's over 13 chapters devoted to the life of Joseph. Nowhere else in the Bible do you find that. Uh, this story actually shows up in the Quran and the Book of Mormon in some way, shape, and form, which I, I didn't even know that until I was studying this week for it. Uh, Joseph <clears throat> is the 11th born son to a man named Jacob who becomes Israel. Israel is basically the beginning of, or the father of, the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jacob is one of the sons of Jacob, who then becomes Israel. Uh, he has one brother, one full brother, whose name is Benjamin. Back in that day, there were multiple wives, and I, if I have it correct, uh, Jacob had four wives, and, and Benjamin and Joseph were born to Rachel, who was his favorite wife, if you remember that story. That, that one fascinates me, right? He goes to work for his uncle Laban because he loves Rachel. Seven years he works. He's promised Rachel. He wakes up the next morning. Oh my gosh, it's not Rachel. It's Leah. Pull one over on me. 
So he works another seven years to get Rachel, his favorite wife, and Jacob, or Joseph, excuse me, is the firstborn son of the favorite wife, Rachel. Everybody's still tracking. Uh, Because of this, he receives the coat of many colors, which is actually a Hebrew word that could be translated a full-sleeved robe, a coat of many colors, a coat reaching to his feet, an ornamented tunic, a silk robe, or a fine woolen cloak. Could be any one of those things, but the the, the, the many-colored coat worked better on Broadway, so they went with that one. <laughs> um, Joseph's life is, is really quite uh, simple. He spends 17 years at home, mostly as a shepherd uh, in his older teenage years. 13 years he's imprisoned or in Potiphar's house uh, or in Egypt. And then 80 years he spends as a ruler in Egypt, and that's kind of the whole of Joseph's life. Uh, the, bo- the story of Joseph kind of gets broken up into a couple of key parts, and we're going to walk through six of those parts. There probably could be more, but um, they're noted by these words that you see around you. And so each week we're going to look at an idea or a word that will sort of connect us to part of the story. So this morning we're going to look at Joseph's name. Uh, next week we're going to look at what it means to be full and the fullness that Joseph experienced or, or uh, how he responds really to Potiphar's wife, which is a fascinating story. Uh, the week after that, we're going to look at this word of uh, here I am, hineni, we find it in scripture a lot. Uh, we're going to look at this idea of what it means to be with someone or for God to be with us. We're going to look at what it means that Joseph found favor, which is this word that's also translated grace. And then lastly, we're going to look at what it means to suffer or carry. Uh, the Hebrew word in the back there is, it, it is translated suffer, but a couple times, and and it really means more like to carry or lift something. So what does it mean to carry something? So that's what we're going to be doing in this series. I'm very excited about it. We did Moses a a few years back, and it was fantastic. I I had a ton of fun doing it. So I hope you are excited about this. This morning, Joseph's name. I want to look at some, uh, some things that I think are very encouraging and hopeful. They are to me, and I hope they are to you. So as we jump in this morning, we read a a, a part of this account, and it's the beginning, where Joseph basically has these dreams, right? He's the son, the favored son of Jacob. He gets this coat, and then he has these two dreams, and he tells them to his brothers and his father. And I want to see if we can't draw a couple of pearls of wisdom from this section. You with me? Okay, here we go. Um, First, I want to say this. Just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it out loud. <laughs> I think it's important to look at uh, these stories and to, to look at them like, like they're, they're normal things. Many would argue that Joseph is the beginning of actual history in the book of Genesis. So for many people who would read the book of Genesis, they would read uh, the first parts of Genesis more as myth or as uh, sort of this, not myth untrue, but mythic as like this large story, right? And Joseph is when we actually begin to get to like actual historical characters, some scholars would argue. And so this is, I think, um, we, we find even evidence of Joseph and some kind of person who rose to power in the, the empire of Egypt. Archaeologically, there's evidence for this. So this is a true story, I think, in a lot of ways. And so to think about it in terms of this is real life stuff that happens. And so the wisdom that I think we see first and foremost is just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it. Uh, This is the beginning of the tale, right? We have Jacob, the father. He has a favorite wife. Now, I know things are different back in the scriptures, but if I know anything about women, and I have a pretty good shot. I live with four of them. 
Uh, this had to be a little weird. It had to be a little bit of tension in the household, right? If there's like a favorite wife. Have you guys ever seen any of those reality TV shows? Like Sister Wives or the ones where... I mean, that had to be weird, right? Can we just say that out loud? Like he's got a favorite wife. And so then the favorite wife gets pregnant. And not with just anybody, but a boy. I mean, that's like jackpot. Favorite wife gets pregnant with a son. This is a big deal back then, right? And then... The favorite son gets this coat of many colors. So, like, everything's going in this direction. And then Joseph has these two dreams. Now, it's one thing to have a dream and to feel like you've heard something from the Lord. But when it has these kinds of implications, you might, it, wisdom would say, you might want to hold that. Right? My, I played cards with my grandpa. When I was a kid, uh, we would go to my grandpa's house on Friday nights. And we would play cards, and that's what we did. My Friends in my hockey team, when I first found out about this, we're sitting in the locker room, we're like, so what are you, what are you doing this weekend? And all these people are t telling these what their plans were and whatever. And they're like, Micah. Except they called me by my nickname, which I will not tell you. They said, <laughs> Micah, what are you doing this t tonight? And I'm like, oh, we're going to my grandpa's house. And it was like, <laughs> you know, like crickets. They're like, what? What are you going to do at your grandpa's house? I'm like, oh, we play cards, you know, rook, bridge, any number of things. They're <laughs> like, you are the dorkiest person on the entire planet. We thought so, but it's only confirmed now. So we played cards. I have no idea why I'm telling this story. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, 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 hold them. So my grandpa would always say, you got to hold your cards close to your chest, sonny. you got to hold them close to the chest. So if you're Joseph, you may want to hold this one close to the chest, right? Just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it out loud. This is a pearl of wisdom for you who are married or in romantic relationships in the room. There may come a moment along the way when something is absolutely verifiably 100% true and you should not say it out loud. <laughs> like, just don't do it. Hold it close to the chest, all right? Keep that one quiet. This is wisdom for some of you who may be suffering or who have suffered the loss of something or someone, right? We've all been in that awkward situation where someone has suffered the loss of someone and someone says something and while it might be true, it's just not helpful at all in the situation. Are you with me now? Or maybe in a job situation, like somebody got mad in front of the wrong person, they said something they shouldn't have said and in their grief and despair because they've lost their job, you say, you know, you probably shouldn't have lost your cool in front of that person. Like, not helpful. Uh, this, is a, uh, this, is a, this is for the passionate and zealous among us, which I cannot be included among. Those of you who are younger or even younger in faith, sometimes we have a tendency to be excited about the truth of something. And sometimes at great cost to the people around us and to ourselves, we blurt something out and do damage to those around us, and our only response is, well, it's true. Sometimes, just because it's true, doesn't mean you should say it out loud. And I think this is really about maturity and emotional intelligence, which, as I pastor, and the longer I pastor, the more I care about. My hope and prayer for you as people who come to Awaken is that you would be growing in maturity, that your EQs would be rising, which means that, you, that you, you will be learning and growing in the capacity to navigate difficult things and gray and tension. So my hope and prayer for you is that you're growing in maturity and in, and in emotional intelligence, spiritual maturity and emotional maturity. 
And so this idea of just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it out loud is in that spirit. That sometimes there are things that we should hold. And learning the difference between when we should speak and when we should be quiet is part of what it means to be maturing and growing as a person and in faith. So I think first and foremost, we just want to say that about Joseph. Just because it's true doesn't mean... And if do you guys know what Midrash is? It's this Jewish uh, art form, really, where they kind of take the, a story and then they read between the lines and then they add to it. This, is, this would be my, part of my Midrash, is this idea that Joseph has not learned the piece of wisdom that just because it's true doesn't mean that you should say it. Contrast the spirit of Joseph in this text where he just blurts it out to what the Gospels say about Mary. Good old Mary, our friend Mary. And Mary pondered these things and treasured them in her heart. Joseph should have taken a few cues from Mary. If time wasn't, you know, how that all works. <laughs> so I find it encouraging that Joseph also doesn't begin where he ends. Right? In this story, we begin with Joseph in 37, and it ends 13 chapters later. Joseph doesn't begin where he ends. I think it's important that we note that when we read the scriptures, we often overlook, uh, or I want to make note of an easily overlooked fact, that with biblical characters, sometimes we give them the benefit of the doubt because we know the end of the story. Right? We know how this story ends with Joseph, when Joseph basically is in front of his brothers and he offers them mercy and grace and forgiveness and compassion after they sold him into slavery and left him for dead. We know the ending of the story, and so we skip over the fact that if you're honest, kids in the room plug your ears, if you're honest, at the beginning of the story, Joseph is a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a, <laughs> I, I just can't do it, I can't do it. It's three letters and it ends with two S's, okay? Joseph is basically that. He's, he's an arrogant, pretentious little punk who runs his mouth off when he should keep it quiet. I mean, imagine the scenario when he's telling the dream to his brothers. He's the 11th born son, right? I'm the, I'm, I have four, four brothers, so there's five of us. The youngest of my brothers, you know, he was the youngest of five, but the, the youngest of, 11, of the 11th born son, he's like way down the totem pole. And he says, here, here listen guys, I had this dream. You're never going to believe this. Basically, you're all going to worship me. I mean, can you imagine the responses of his brothers? Like, some of the things we did to my youngest brother. Awful, awful. One of my brothers got a, a mask at a, at a holiday, uh, a birthday party. Like, they, all the kids were given masks. They were like goalie masks. Unfortunately, they looked a little bit like Jason, you know, the, the serial killer movies. And they were supposed to decorate the masks, you know, like that was their sort of party gift. Moms, you might not want to try that one. So my brother brings this mask home, and my youngest brother, Josh, was just petrified of this mask. Like, when he saw it, he just screamed bloody murder. So we would hide the mask in this one spot in the house, right? Up, up above the, the steps going down to the basement. And whenever we wanted to get Josh, we would go, the mask, the mask. And we'd reach for the mask, and he would just, like, freak out, crying. Those are the things brothers do to brothers. Can you imagine the things that Joseph's brothers were doing to him? Ay, 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 ay. This is where the story of Joseph begins in Genesis. He is an arrogant, selfish blabbermouth. Is there any point in your life where some of these words could be used to describe you? 
That's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer that. Or maybe some other combination of words. And what I want to stop for just a moment to see is that one of the Bible's heroes, one of the, one of the people in the scriptures that gets the most ink begins here. Maybe you could say it differently. There's hope for you and me. There's hope for us who maybe could be described at certain points in our life a little bit like Joseph. There's hope for your children and your coworkers and your parents and your neighbor. This is where Joseph begins, but it's not where it ends. Somehow through the suffering in his own life, Joseph figures out or finds God to be faithful and enough to the degree that Joseph is changed. He's transformed. If you look at this story from the beginning to the end, what you see, and you don't get a lot of what, you get some of what happens, but not like the threshold moments where Joseph crosses over and makes a decision. But what you see is a different person at the beginning than you do at the end. He's changed. One of the things that we've written down in this little thing over here is transformation. That's one of the values that we have in this community. And I hope and pray, so long as I'm the pastor and leader here, that we never forget that the good news about God at work in the world is that it changes us if we let it. That God is out there, and the invitation is progress and movement and transformation. The church calls it sanctification, this process by which we come, become more and more and more the people who we were intended to be, the people who we were created to be, more and more and more like Jesus. If we let it, the love of God can change the hardest of hearts. None of us are the sum of our worst moments. You and I, we are all verbs. We are endlessly becoming, we are growing, we are changing, we're maturing. You're not the same person today than you were yesterday or the day before or the year before. Thank God. So long as there's breath in our lungs, there's more. So give yourself a break in some ways. Maybe you're not everything you want to be right now. Maybe there's a part of you that keeps showing up that, quite frankly, you wish didn't show up. Or maybe there's a part of your character that's a little bit of a liability, if you're honest. Reading the story of Joseph reminds me that it doesn't begin, or it doesn't end where he begins. Maybe give your spouse or your children or your parents or your neighbors a break. They're not the sum of their worst moments and their worst decisions and their worst words. Maybe your kid will grow out of whatever behavior it is that's driving you bananas right now. Maybe your spouse can learn and grow. Maybe they're not an old dog. Maybe they can learn new tricks. And here's another challenge. Would you consider praying for these people in your life? Whoever it is that you struggle with because they act maybe a little bit like Joseph, would you ever consider like actually going before the God of the universe and asking God to change their heart? There's a few people, do you, do you remember the Advent season? We talked about love all one, one week. And what's, is there one person that you could move towards in love? And like the moment I saw and, and heard the name, I was like, come on, really? Yeah, that person Will you bring them, will you carry them in your heart? Will you notice them enough to ask God to change their heart? If the Bible is true and the story is true and the good news is true, then God changes people's hearts and God transforms us if we let God do it. And so would you even consider praying for that person? So we see for Joseph, 
You shouldn't, just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it out loud. And we see that Joseph doesn't end where he begins. And I think I would say lastly this. And if you've been around Awaken long enough, you, this shouldn't be news to you. But names matter in scripture. Names matter. Think about some of these names. Jacob means heel or supplanter. If your name is Jacob in the room, sorry, on that one. For Jacob, who becomes Israel. Israel means one who wrestles with God and, is man, and man and is able. The name Noah means comfort. So actually, Adam and Eve are placed in the garden in Genesis chapter 2. The word is not placed or it's actually Noah. Noah uh, Adam and Eve are comforted into the garden to work and guard by God. The name Moses means drawn forth from the water. The, main, the name Hannah means grace. And Joseph means he will add to or he will increase. So Joseph's name means he will add to or he will increase. What does it mean to say that your name and very essence can be added to. And I think to some degree we already know this. We know that we're verbs, that we're expanding, we're growing, we're becoming, we're changing, we're that... What does it mean to say that your name and essence can be added to? And this is, if this is true, <clears throat> There's a million ways that we do this, right? Or that we attempt to do this through power or position or success, recognition, friendships, relationships, romantic, platonic relationships, all kinds of different ways that we try to add to our names and our essence. Think back over the course of your life and think about the ways in which you try to add to your name or who you are. Now, the question is, what we see in Joseph is that this is very typical behavior. And this idea of us changing and growing and being transformed is one of the most fundamental human journeys that we experience in life. The question that matters most is, who and by what means will my essence and name be added to? Who controls that process? Who has access to the vulnerable places where I can grow? Who can speak into the areas of my life that need growth and that need to be added to? Richard Rohr talks about this in a book called Falling Upward. He says basically that many of us spend the better part of our life, the first half of our life, attempting to add to our names, right? To increase our footprint, to gather and amass resources and education, accolades, power, position. And in some ways, this is natural. If something deep inside of us knows that we're made in the image of God and that we're moving and in process, then we have the capacity to grow and change and be transformed. So this is natural. But the question is, the fundamental question of the story of Joseph, and it brings us face to face is, to it, is who will add to my name? Who will add to my essence? If I'm growing, if I'm changing, if I have the capacity to be transformed, who's in charge of that process? And what happens when your efforts to add to your own name run out? What happens when they don't add up and they don't produce the results that you've hoped for? What happens when the things that we think make us us, the things that we think give us our name and our truest identity don't work out? Who and what defines you gives you your name and your truest sense of identity? That's the question Joseph brings us to. 
Because I think at the beginning of the story, we see Joseph in all kinds of ways attempting to do his name, to add to it. And somehow along the way, there's a moment where I think Joseph begins to realize that there's a question being asked of who will add to your name and who's in charge of that process. And the story of the scriptures is a story that says, that has a God, God saying, I will speak that over you and into you if you will trust me to do so. This is Genesis chapter 1 and 2. When God says, you have everything you need. And the serpent says, did God really say that? Will God really do that? What if you have to do it yourself? So the story of Joseph is the story of a guy whose name means Yahweh will add to or he will add to. Who believes the lie of the serpent that it's up to him to add to his own name and secure his own identity, his own position, his own power. So I guess I want to close this morning as we move towards communion in response with this question. <clears throat> in what ways are you attempting to add to your own name? In what ways are you in charge of that process of becoming who you've been intended to be? In what ways have you believed the question of the serpent, did God really say that? In what ways are you in that seat driving that process? And what would it mean for you to offer that process of your truest identity and name and essence into the hands of someone else? This is the ask. This is the story. This is the narrative of the scriptures. This is why Jesus says, die to yourself so that you can be reborn. There's a, there's a part, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a way in which we have to set down that desire to own and be a, in charge of that process of becoming and transforming and adding to our own name, in essence. We want that. Who, who wouldn't? And yet God says, I will speak that over you and into you if you will trust me to do so. And so maybe you've already said yes to Jesus, but there are ways in which you're attempting to do that work, even this morning. Or maybe for the first time, you say, you know what? I've been trying my whole life, and it's a mess. Somebody else, please take over. I'm holding back my temptation to sing, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> There's always a little bit of truth in some of those country songs, right? So my friends, what is it that you are trying to add to your name and what is it that you're searching for and attempting to secure on your own terms? And would you trust the God of the scriptures, the God that Joseph finds in the midst of this story to do that work? To say this is your name. This is who you are. This is who I've made you to be. This is what's always been in you. Let me turn on the lights. Pray with me, if you will. God, this morning, as we gather, we do so with great trust that you are at work. 
that you're a God who wants to reveal yourself to us, that this is a desire in, in your, your very being. And so we come to this story and these scriptures, we come to this table, we come around these songs and these traditions because I believe, we believe that you want to reveal yourself to us. And so God, uh, as we take the next moment or two of silence, I pray that by your spirit, you would speak to us and that whatever ways we're attempting to add to our name, whether it be through promotions or security or positions or power or relationships, whatever ways in which we're attempting to be in control of that process, that you would just say the word or help us to see in our mind's eye what that might be. So Holy Spirit, in this moment of silence, lead us, guide us, speak to us. I pray. you stand as we close? I never tire of hearing your voices. Um, I've been wanting to end a gathering with this prayer. Uh, some of you might be familiar with it. Um, I've been listening to this app every now and again called Pray As You Go. And it always ends with this prayer that I think is quite old called the Glory Be. So if you know it, say it with me. If you don't, um, next time I do it, we'll try to have it on the screen so we can say it together. But glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Grace and peace, my friends. Love you. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.